Are you a prospective college athlete or the parent of one? Well, then look no further than Gold Standard Athletes to give your child or yourself the best edge in the recruiting process. Gold Standard Athletes not only preps you for the recruiting process, but helps you look the part. With amazing merchandise and great recruiting tips, protein drinks, and more, and their monthly boxes that they give out to their athletes, Gold Standard Athletes sets you up to do your best. They are, without a doubt, the best in the business to get you recruited, to get you found straight out of high school, and get you chasing your dreams. So if you're a prospective college athlete and you want to chase your dreams, go to GoStandardsAthletes.com to purchase yourself a box of recruiting tips, protein drinks, merchandise, and more to help you not only look the part, but fit the part. Go to GoStandardAthletes.com to fit the part and be your best self. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is absolutely electric. She is a pioneer in the world of motorsports and sports as a whole. She is a NASCAR on Fox reporter. She is an absolute legend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Jamie Little. Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. I like that introduction, Dom. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So, kind of starting right from the start, how are things now that NASCAR and Fox's coverage is over for the year? <laughs> it's always a tough transition for me because, you know, with NASCAR, it's every weekend. So, I'm literally from January, the end of January, beginning of February, until the beginning of July. I'm gone every weekend. You know, I'm home like three days a week, on the road four days a week. And then suddenly it just comes to a screeching halt. And so it's like finding like, okay, what's next? What's going to keep me busy and fulfill, you know, all of those desires and those needs that I have to be working and busy and ambitious. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like I tell people when NBC takes over the broadcast, it's like going to a school dance with a boy and seeing him lead with another girl. It's like, it's just like, no, that's ours. And then it's gone to another broadcast. So it's, I always go through it every year. <laughs> now, do you watch NBC's coverage of the NASCAR and everything? Oh, yes. I try to stay, um, you know, on top of things because I go in and I host race talks from time to time for Fox. So I need to stay in the loop. And, of course, I love racing. I love NASCAR, so I like to see what's happening. So it is fun to watch them and see how they do things. And uh, they do things a little bit differently than us in some aspects. So I do want to dive right into the NASCAR talk. Most recently, Matt DiBendetto and David Reagan are going through some changes as the season starts to come to an uh, intense point as the playoffs are coming up and drivers are going to change teams and get ready for next season. So first things first is, uh, as someone who had been on there and gotten a chance to talk to both men, what are your thoughts first on David Reagan retiring? Yeah, I think it's interesting. First off, I love that he's able to go out on his own. He just decided, you know what, it's time to call it. Although I always look at the wording, the phrasing when somebody makes a big statement. He said, I'm retiring from full-time racing. So that to me leaves the door open that he would maybe talk to somebody about doing a part-time ride or maybe he wants to go race some other stuff here and there. So I like that. But I love that he decided on his own, you know what, it's, it's, I've been doing this for 15, 16 years now. It's time to focus on my family and my kids as they grow up. So I'm happy for him. We'll be sad to see him go. He's just one of the classy guys, you know, in the sport. Just always the same, never changed. 
and uh, he's just been a staple. I've had the chance a couple times to get a chance to meet him and talk to him, and he's an absolutely phenomenal human being. He's a great guy, and although it is sad that to see him go, you know, as you said, it's also good to see him go out on his own, you know, not have to go out because of injuries or because of a team, you know, wanting to lose funding or something in that retrospect. So it's a good thing to see him out go on his own, and much respect to him for everything he has done in his career from my eyes. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Now, with that said, part of the season is also some sad news, and Matt DiVendetto is getting bumped out of the 95 machine. Who, first off, do you think will replace him in the 95 machine as it looks that Christopher Bell could be a potential option? Yeah, I think that's probably what's going to happen. I didn't see that being the case earlier in the season. I kind of felt like I know Toyota is all about Christopher Bell, and I feel like he didn't want to go in a ride that would be kind of like a Furniture Row-esque team um, that has to go through the transition and isn't a direct team of JGR. Um, So I thought, you know, maybe he would go into the 20 and we'd see Eric Jones um, take over the 95. But it sounds like Eric Jones, they're happy where he is and they're about to settle his deal and make it official that he's continuing there. Um, So it makes sense that Christopher Bell will be in the 95. They haven't announced it yet. But um, I also know that and I understand that that team, Levine Family Racing, will become a bigger part of Joe Gibbs racing as, you know, he's he's kind of a satellite team, but I think they're going to look at it as a fifth Joe Gibbs racing car. So kind of like the Wood Brothers is with Penske Racing. So I think it'll be a good thing for him, and, um, and I'm happy for Eric Jones. I hated the, the idea of him kind of getting the boot and having to go to another team when he's so set in where he is now. So... But the big story is Matt Benedetto and this poor kid. I mean, he's just paid his dues. I've known him since he was, gosh, I think 18. He was a development driver for Joe Gibbs Racing. He um, competed in the Xfinity Series. that used to be the Nationwide Series when I covered him in it. And, um, and he's done well this year in that ride. You know, he's had a couple of top fives. I interviewed him after his top five at Sonoma. It was incredible, and I think he does great things. But more than that, he just has such a dynamic personality, as you know. Mm-hmm. Super fit. The fans love him. He just has a great personality. He's humble. So I'm sad to see that that ride won't be his. Yeah, I'm a big fan of DiBendetto, and honestly, I felt as though JGR and Levine Family Racing didn't give him a fair shot. It was almost like he was a replacement as they made a decision between whether or not Jones was going to go to the 95 or Bell was going to go to the 95, and it looked as though JGR was going to provide significant backing and equipment and everything to Levine Family Racing, as you said, as like a satellite team, but once Bell or Jones ended up there, not with DiBendetto there. And it sucks, once again, because he's such a talented driver and it's almost like he never gets a fair shot at a top-tier ride to kind of prove himself. And with that said, yeah. do you see him getting that shot maybe this time around, or do you see him ending up going back to a lesser team like potentially Front Row Motorsports or something in that res- retrospect? Yeah, as you know, there's just there's so limited rides that are good, solid rides, and, um, and I agree. You know, I, I thought Benedetto, I know he signed a two-year deal, so I thought for sure he'd have two years there, but at the same time, when you look at the big picture, he was a place filler essentially because Toyota, Joe Gibbs Racing, they knew all along that they had Christopher Bell in there. They talked to him and asked him and got him to stay in the Xfinity Series one more year knowing he was coming to Cup. So I don't know if they thought maybe there was a chance they would lose Eric Jones, 
I don't know, but um, I know that a two-year contract obviously isn't going to be fulfilled now. So who knows? Toyota is very loyal. Uh, they take care of their drivers, so I'm sure they're going to find a place maybe to help him. I know he's running a couple of Xfinity races in the 18, which is one of the best cars out there. Um, so that, that'll be a good opportunity for him. But it just comes down to what's available, you know, and it's all about sponsorship dollars. So um, I don't know if he'll disappear and maybe do a part-time or, or maybe he will replace maybe David Reagan. But I know there's teams that would love to have him. He's such a dynamic personality and such a talented driver, mm-hmm. and it would really suck to you know see him end up in a situation where he ends up being part time. And if anything, maybe the best situation could be he potentially ends up swapping rides entirely with Bell and could end up in the Xfinity series, maybe in the twenty machine replacing him, or it could end up being a new driver coming up to replace the 20 machine what have you heard and what do you think could happen with that 20 machine now that bell could likely be heading to the 95 this is all assuming he yeah well we know that that team is a powerhouse it's basically a cup team running in the xfinity series i mean they're class of the field every week along with the double zero cole custer but toyota is incredible when it comes to finding talent, finding the next best thing, the next best driver. And they have a huge development program. I, I did some speaking with their development team this year coming into the season with all their young kids. I mean, they've got 14-year-old kids on up that they're developing personality-wise and media-savvy-wise. And, of course, their skills in a race car is what got them there. So they have a bunch of drivers. They're not hurting in that regard. It's just a matter of is somebody going to be ready to step up? You know, does Harrison Burton get that shot to go full-time in the Xfinity Series. He's done really well in the races that he's jumped in. Um, or, like you said, that's a great thought. You know, would Matt Benedetto be able to go back? And I would imagine that he would definitely love that idea, to get back in that Xfinity Series and be in such a competitive car and be able to compete every week. I think it'd be great for the series to have that personality. You know, obviously, we're very limited on star power with cup drivers coming into that series now, so... To have somebody like him be able to come in and be full-time, I think it would be very beneficial. But, you know, it all comes down to dollars and cents, and I don't know if they would want that or or if Toyota and Gibbs would want their next development driver to come up. It almost feels like there's sort of a standstill with rides, like, right now, because a lot of veterans are on those two-year deals that will make them ready to seek out other rides after next season and it's almost like this year could be a standstill or there could be a big move what is one move you could see happening with the driver changes and everything that maybe isn't being talked about so much yeah um i'm really curious to see what happens with kyle larson and with kurt bush i mean anything's possible i know that ganassi obviously we've seen the blows they've had with um with their big sponsors early on and Chip Ganassi told me in a sit-down interview that he had to ask Kyle Larson to to defer payment, basically not get paid for a few months so that they can pay their bills and uh, keep the race team operating um, when DC Solar and that whole deal um, hit the hit the floor. <laughs> um, so who knows? I mean, even if Kyle Larson does have a contract right now, is it good enough to hold him there? Does the team have what it takes? Do they have sponsors for next year? Um, Kurt Busch, does Monster Energy stay with him and stay at Ganassi? I, I don't know. That would make sense to me to do it. Um, another one is, you know, what happens at Gibbs? Does Christopher Bell stay in the 95 for multiple years, or did they promise him one year and then he's filling the spot for somebody? Um, it's really hard to know in NASCAR what contracts are what, who's up, 
who's out. You know, it's it's really hard to know. They keep that stuff pretty close to the to the chest. So I don't know. Um, you know, if Denny Hamlin could be up. I know that he says he has a multi-year deal, but could his deal be up? And um, and Christopher Bell goes in there, but. Then again, I mean, you're talking about a, a young kid who he's not going to come in and, and necessarily set the world on fire. Nobody does. They can be impressive. Maybe getting a poll or two in your first season in Cup or, or a top five is very impressive. But to come out and win and say, I belong in one of those top four rides that gets is big. So I don't know really what Toyota has in mind, but I think we will probably see some drivers shift before the Daytona 500 of 2020. One other thing that I've kind of had in the back of my head was three drivers who I could see either on the way out or on the way in is Ross Chastain at some point, Cole Custer at some point, and on the way out, I could see potentially Jimmy Johnson. Is that kind of the feeling you have as well from a much more um, knowing more about the behind the scenes stuff standpoint? Yeah, I think Jimmy Johnson is probably good until he says he's done. Um, so I wouldn't put any thought into Jimmy in or out. He stays as long as he wants, and I don't see him going anywhere for at least another year or two. Uh, I think Kevin Harvick has another couple of years under his belt um, or on his contract, too, to keep him in this seat. But um, I know that TV is kind of looming. Fox really likes Kevin Harvick, and he's been part of the family for a few years now. So when he's ready to hang it up, I think you'll see him join us. Um, another one, a question mark, I know Clint Boyer's contract is up, and I don't think that they have finalized or announced anything there. I think that's something that we've looked at and been waiting to see. Does Cole Custer take over that ride? Um, because obviously that's his family, Stuart Haas Racing, his family. His dad is um, very instrumental over there, and I think Cole has done such an incredible job the last couple of seasons. I mean, he has a really good shot at becoming the champion this year in that series. So. Um, I think that's a move that we should keep our eye on, too. Now, how far out do you feel Ross Chastain is? He's similar to that dynamic personality that Dibendetto has, but he's also been given a couple shots to, you know, succeed at top-tier rides, especially in the uh, truck series, and now getting he's got a ton of experience riding in the back in the uh, cup car, and he's also gotten the opportunity to drive an Xfinity car. Where do you feel he stands? Yeah. I think Ross Chastain is like the coolest story out there. He's just the story that keeps on giving, I say. It's like every week, what's Ross up to? What's he going to do? Is he going to ruffle feathers? Is he going to win the race? Like, he's just incredible. I mean, he's run, I I don't remember how many races we were in, but I want to say it was like 10 races in to the season or more. And he had run every single race they had that NASCAR sanctioned. And I'm talking all three series, trucks, Xfinity, and Cup. He had run every race up to that point until he physically couldn't be in two places at one time. So what he did was incredible. The one thing about Ross is, I mean, if you doubt his uh, his ability, just uh, talk to Chip Ganassi, who put him under contract. As we know, he had that deal going. He was going to be full-time in the Xfinity Series, which I think was one of the best stories coming into the year. And then it all fell apart when the D.C. Solar deal went, went to the wayside. Um, but he's still under contract with Ganassi. So Chip can do what he wants. If they get sponsorship, you could see... You could see Ross there. Um, But other than that, I mean, here's another guy that we're looking at. He could potentially win the championship over there in the truck series. And what, I mean, what a story that would be to decide mid-season, like, okay, we're going to run for truck points, and we think we've got a shot, and they've won three times already. Pretty awesome, and I would love to see him full-time. He's just a working man's type of guy, and um, people love him. And uh, if you're a hard-nosed racer, that's your guy. 
and uh, I love covering him. He's just, he's a great dude. He's uh, feisty, and he fights for everything, and obviously he can win, so I like that. He's a guy I'm a big fan of, and he has a standing invite to come on this podcast, but he has not yet to <laughs> respond to it. But um, he's a, I'm a big fan of the guy, and I wish nothing but the best to him, and uh, hopefully the Chip Canassi situation could get all worked out, and hopefully they can get some sponsorships there. Which kind of leads me into my next question, although I do want to talk about the on-track stuff, championships, etc. is a bit of a bigger question. Do you feel, with a lot of speculation around it and with sponsorship changes and everything, and it's a bigger question, that NASCAR is dying? Um, no, I don't think it is. I think it's changing just like every sport right now. You know, there's you can look at the attendance or you can... I mean, TV ratings have been pretty darn good this year for NASCAR. Anytime you can remain flat or have a little uptick, you're doing well, and that's what we saw during our portion of Fox. So that shows that people are watching. But people are watching in so many different ways. They're watching on their phone, and you mentioned it. They're watching, and there's just not ways to really grasp that yet and know exactly how many people and eyeballs are watching our races. I think um, it's just all changing so quickly. Um, I, when it comes to attendance, of course, attendance is down. It's been down for many years. It's down in many sports across you know, the map, because people simply would rather watch at home, because I like to think, being a broadcaster, that television is just a lot easier, and our product is great. You see everything you need to see, which is a lot more than just sitting in the stands, but there is that viral experience that you want to have when you're there, that the smell of the rubber and the gas and the sounds and everything of being there, but I don't think it's dying. I think it's changing, and I think the business model probably needs to change, and I know NASCAR is working so diligently to do that. Um, but I, I think that there's way too much good, too many fans. There's the core fans in NASCAR. It's huge. So it's not going anywhere. And I hate to hear that there, that people say that, but if you look at the product right now on track, I think it's some of the best racing we have seen in the last 10, 12 years. See, that's always something that kind of got in my head over the last kind of year as, you know, something big with social media is the minority, not the majority can kind of Mm -hmm. vocalize their opinion. So 99% of people can be like, hell yeah, NASCAR is perfectly fine. But that 1% can be like, ah, the racing sucks. My guy's not winning. You know, I'm not happy. So let me bash NASCAR and put false hope in people that NASCAR could potentially be dying and all this stuff. And personally, I was nervous a little bit, and under that belief of potentially NASCAR could be faltering, and it really was in the back of my head, and you know, you see the attendance at races and stuff, and obviously, you know, on track, incredible racing this season, and it's really one of the years where there's not a big three like last year, there's really a couple guys who, it could be anybody's game for the championship, it's great racing on track, the media and everything behind it, especially Fox coverage, NBC coverage has been phenomenal, and all of that kind of made it a balancing beam, and then I went to Watkins Glen for this past two races ago now, um, for the race, and it almost revitalized my, you know, faith in NASCAR, because I personally believe that's one of the best tracks to watch a race and to see the race, like the action and everything, because it's always a good race. And especially when a fan favorite like Chase wins, it kind of shows you the true like growth and 
um, family-like community that NASCAR is, and it's a really nice feeling to see, and it kind of changed me from the spectrum of, okay, NASCAR could be dying because sponsorships are backing out, to the opposite side of, like, NASCAR is going through, as you said, a major change with a lot of young faces, not the Jimmy Johnsons, the Jeff Gordons, the people that everybody knew and loved, because at some point, they were young, too. And yes, you still have the veterans, but now you have guys like Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell, Eric Jones, um, Daniel Hemrick, Austin Dillon, a lot of young guys coming through the sport, Ryan Blaney, who are making their way up and truly making a name for themselves. And yeah, it's going to take a little time, but at some point, these guys are going to be the faces of the sport and kind of prove to people, you know, yes, NASCAR might have struggled a little bit there, but even right now, I think you're seeing it. They're on the uptick and they're rising again. And I think it's a great thing to see. And it kind of does lead me into my next question of what is the thing with, you mentioned the business model. I've been hearing a bunch of stuff about Monster Energy won't be the sole main sponsor. Can you kind of elaborate on that from what you've heard and what you know about it? Yeah, I think NASCAR has decided to just kind of change that title sponsorship model because, you know, it's a lot of money. This is a huge series. It's very expensive, and that's why you have two different networks covering it. It's too expensive for any one network to cover the whole thing, and that's how how football is as well. So, you know, it it comes down to that. They have to split that title sponsorship up. Um, So that's what I'm hearing as well, that maybe – Monster may change their role. I don't know if they'll go away completely or if they stay involved and maybe they're one of the title sponsorships, but I heard that they're going to maybe have multiple title sponsors. So it might be, you know, one weekend it's Monster Energy, the next week it's Dunkin' Donuts, um, which is great. I mean, does anybody really care? No, as long as there's great money coming into the sport to keep us going and, and to show off what we have and what our product is and how great it is. Um, but, like, going back to what you said about Watkins Glen and reinvigorating, like, your love and, and um, concept of racing and NASCAR and how good it is and how good it can be when you just have the right kind of racing and the right atmosphere. And I think that's what NASCAR is really looking at for that new change, that shift in the schedule that we're supposed to see in 2021, um, maybe going to somewhere new to spark that excitement. I mean, anytime we change anything up in NASCAR, it's a big deal. Like going to the Roval last year, people may have thought and said, man, this is going to be dumb. This is not a road course. Like, what are we doing? And it was huge. People were so excited about the fact that it was just something different. And that's what road course racing is. People love it. It's a party. It's a celebration. It's an event to go to. And it gets people pumped for it. And I think that's what we really need to see in the sport. We need to change things up. Stop going to the same racetrack. Stop going to the same places twice that we've been going to for years and years. It's played out. We need to change it up. We need to go to Portland, Oregon, or somewhere that doesn't see NASCAR in person and get them excited to come to the race because it's the first time. So I think that's really going to be moving forward a big part of uh, the growth and getting new fans. Like you said, we've got these new faces. Let's start building them up. Let's show what they're capable of. I completely agree with that. So now I talked about new faces. I talked about veterans. You've gotten to see a ton of the racing. You're a huge motorsports person. So, Jamie Little, who is your pick to win the Cup Championship this season? Oh, that's that's tough because, like you said, we've seen a few guys out there knocking off the wins because last year was there for a while. I think Joey's always a threat. Uh, Martin Shurex Jr., they're just they're – they're always quiet and deadly when it comes to the championship and winning. Um, I've had a feeling about Kyle Busch since the beginning of the year, 
um, just how on fire they came out of the box. Just His numbers were incredible, and they still are. But other teams, of course, they catch up. The ebb and flow throughout the summer months. We'll see it in the playoffs as well. But I have a feeling about the 18. I, just, I think it's his turn. It's his time to be a, a two-time champion. Now, I that may be a negative opinion because Kyle's not a huge fan favorite with people. Why do you think that is before we go into <laughs> some other stuff? <laughs> you know, I love personalities like Kyle Busch. I love people that just, they move the meter, as we say in TV. Whether people hate him or love him, they're passionate about him and they're talking about him. Kyle is so entertaining. You could hate the guy, but after a race, he gets out of his car and he just whether it's me interviewing him or somebody else, gives it to you straight. He's pissed off. He calls people out. He calls a spade a spade. you got to love it. It's entertaining whether you like it or not. And we don't have enough of that. We need more personality. Personality, firecrackers out there is what put NASCAR on the map. Spice, rivalries, we need more of that. And I think we got away from it because of the major sponsors in this sport. They want their drivers to be vanilla. They don't want them to ruffle any feathers. So you get somebody like Kyle Busch who's just like, I'm, I'm going to let my driving, uh, you know, show what I can do on the track. And if you want to be a sponsor of mine, you got to put up with this personality, and I'm going to let you guys know what I'm thinking at all times. So I, I love it. I think Kyle's great. I think he's probably the best driver out there, the most single-handedly, the most talented driver in the field. Jimmy Johnson, you can't say that he's not the, the best driver out there with seven championships. But is he the most naturally talented against Kyle Busch? I think that's a great argument, but I would say Kyle's just more naturally gifted. He's that good. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of fights, you infamously were a part of one of them. Not a part of it, but included in it. <laughs> um, do you want to elaborate on what you know I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, I am just very competitive, first off. I don't care if I'm female or not. I just I love being in the action. I love when guys get heated and emotional, and I've been involved. I've been in the middle of many fights, whether it's IndyCar, Supercross, NASCAR. I love it. I go where the action is. And when there's going to be a pissed-off driver because of an incident on the track, I know where to go, and I'm there. I'm not scared to, to get in the middle of it. And that was the case with uh, Brad Keselowski. What was it, 2014, Brad mm-hmm. Keselowski, Jeff Gordon, and the huge brawl on Pitt Road. Um, I had both drivers. I could hear their scanners. I knew things were going to go down when they stopped on pit road. So I stood next to Brad Kozlowski and uh, watched as Jeff came over, and I didn't back down. There were just hundreds of people around us, and I was in the middle of it. I could hear slapping from all the punches being thrown around me. And it, it was an incredible, surreal moment, and I, I did my job. I talked to Brad Kozlowski and got his take on it. But um, it was definitely one of those moments I'll never forget. And uh, one of those moments that kind of puts you on the map, you know, as, as a reporter or a journalist. And you just pray that you do the right thing and you look good in the moment. You know, you do the right thing and don't look like an ass. <laughs> now, I think you are already on the map. You have a reputation in motorsports as always being, as you said, where the action is. How did that start? How did that love grow? And how long do you feel that love will burning inside of you yeah um that just came naturally i found my career because of my love for racing i've always been a tomboy since i was a little girl i loved anything with a motor and i met a guy at 14 who raced dirt bikes and he introduced me to supercross and i just loved it and i loved riding i loved just everything about it but what really made me get that spark inside was like i loved the the personalities these guys that were athletes and what they were 
willing to sacrifice their bodies and their families and travel. I mean, the the stories of these guys that were teenagers doing this was incredible, and I wanted to share those stories. And when I got out of high school, I just realized there weren't any women at the time in the sport telling their stories and part of it and representing fans like me. So I got involved, and, uh, of course, one thing led to another, and, you know, I, I got in with ESPN, was my first major job in 2001, and uh, went into X Games and Supercross, Motocross, IndyCar, and um, and then, of course, NASCAR in 2007. But I think just um, maybe, you know, like you said, having that reputation for being where the action is, it's because I've never been scared. I've never looked at myself like I'm different because I'm female. I need to be where the action is, and it's thrilling for me. I love adrenaline rush uh, rushes. I'm a thrill seeker myself. I'm very highly competitive, um, so I like to be in the action. I love to get the story. I love to hear right from the athletes as soon as they get out of the car or off the dirt bike, and that's just the best part of my job. And people always ask, like, well, when are you going to be in the booth? Don't you want to do that? Booth is fun, but that totally defeats the purpose of why I love what I do, and that's being in the heart of the action where I can talk to all the personalities right then as the stories are unfolding. Mm-hmm. Now... I did mention a little bit, but I do want to elaborate on a little bit. How long do you feel you'll be able to keep doing this, and when do you feel like you'll want to step back and potentially maybe do other things? Yeah, I I love racing. I'll do it as long as the network keeps paying me to do it and asking me to do it because it, it is such a big part of me. I don't sit still very well. If you follow me on social media, you say I'm always up to something. I just, um, I'm not a stay-at-home kind of person. I spend a lot of time with my kids, but I also need the balance of work. Um, but, you know, just two months ago at this point now, I um, I got a new show for A&E called America's Top Dog, and that was, we did 11 episodes that were in January, and that was like my real first taste of kind of like a Hollywood type of show that is not racing related at all. And I absolutely loved it. It was just an eye-opener and a thrill, and I would love to do other things outside of motorsports. But um, everything I learned was from motorsports that helps me in all aspects of life. And um, I don't see myself ever giving up the racing aspect. I always want to be part of it somehow. Now, related to that question, I ask all my guests this, and it's a little bit of a bigger question, so you can take as much time as you want to answer it. But my question is, Jamie Little, you are a trailblazer in the sport and media and everything as a whole. What is the legacy you would like to leave when it is all said and done, your career, your life, everything? Gosh, the legacy. Um, yeah, that that is tough. Well, I just hope that when people think Jamie Little, they think hardworking, over-preparer, great at my job, and good to people. I think that's the biggest thing, no matter what. When all is said and done, you can know all your stats, your facts, and know the people that you're interviewing. It comes down to being a good person and treating everybody the same, especially when you're on your way up to climb from the bottom to the top. You have to treat people kindly, and I hope that people remember me that way and as a person who gives back. Um, you know, and a person who was very passionate and cared very much for what I did in my craft. Jamie, you are a pioneer in the sport of NASCAR, in media, in motorsports as a whole. You're an electric human being and a thrill seeker and an awesome human being. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Is there anything you would like to leave the listeners with? Uh, plug your social medias, etc. before we close off. Yeah, of course. Follow me on the uh... 
Instagram and Twitter at Jamie Little TV. And um, yeah, happy to be here. Happy to be on your podcast. Good for you. I'm I'm proud to see somebody like you, young like yourself, very ambitious and doing things like you are in all different sports. It's awesome to see. So good luck to you. Thank you very much. I love the name drop of ambitious in there. <laughs> Heck yeah, I love that word. It's fantastic. I love ambitious, motivation. I love um, passion. Those are just those catchy words in life. So good job picking that one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Jamie Little, for coming on the show. Once again, I want to thank Jamie Little for taking the time to come on Ambitious. It was a lot of fun, and we'll be back next week with another new episode.